It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Stafford! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It's good! Oh my goodness! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle. And he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20. 10. Touchdown Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a beautiful day in studio today. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Raider Nation, we are in countdown mode. For the first preseason game of the year coming up this Sunday, a rare Sunday preseason game as the Raiders will host the Santa Clara 49ers who are coming to town. And that will be probably our only game at Allegiant Stadium for quite some time until Sunday night football week three. So I'm assuming most of the Raider Nation in Vegas is going to go. If you're going to come in to see your friends and family and have a good time and tailgate and do everything, this is it. It is piping hot. Uh, This is the time of the year where you say to yourself, oh, my God, I'm actually going to tailgate. I'm actually going to football games. It's insane. I don't think it's that bad. It's air-conditioned inside beautiful Allegiant Stadium. Could be a little warm out in the parking lot, but, hey, hey, cold beer and cold cocktails. Just ice them down a little bit longer, and hopefully I get a chance to see you out there on Sunday as it will be a big day today and a really good opponent. You know, 49ers are a hell of a football team. Their backups, their backups and starters are better than the Raiders. They are. I think the Raiders are vastly improved. I'm going to spend a lot of time getting into that today. I'm actually really optimistic from what I've seen the last couple of days of practice. I'll tell you what I've seen. We'll have some guests coming up who are at practice. But we got a preseason game here. I don't like to go too fast, and Bobby knows this. I don't like to dive in with my energy in the preseason on Sports Talk Radio because it's not that important, but it's going to jump on us quick, that first game on the road at Denver. And that game gets bigger and bigger by the second. That game, to me, as I've talked to a few fans fans about it, really feels like an important game. A division game on the road against an opponent that the Raiders have owned the last three or four years and an important team because they're going through a transition to. We're brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. You know that, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Everything they do over at the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, the Laughlin Entertainment Center. I love the SG bar at the top of 215 in Flamingo, where you'll often find me having lunch, watching games. PT's fuels the monologue as we begin the show. All right, so the show today is about what I've seen at practice the last couple of days. But it's also about the quarterback position. This is it. We are wrapping up our summer promotion on Raider Nation Radio, the all-time team. Raider Nation, let's go, let's go. It's time for the Raiders Radio all-time Raiders team. The best of the best at every position. The greatest Raider team of all time. The Raiders Radio all-time Raiders team. Today's position, quarterback. Oh, quarterback. Okay. We saved this for last. We went through every position group. We went to special teams, punters, kickers. We did the safeties. We did the wide receivers, the tight ends. We did it all. And we saved the quarterback for last. And there's only a certain amount of names that we could use here. So what? You've been great participating, especially online, on Twitter at JT the Brick. Oh, I'm on Instagram. 
I'm on Instagram. Uh, that's a big deal. My son insisted I get on Instagram. He's helping out with social media. JT the Brick hits. H-I-T-S for the hits that I'm going to be giving you there. I guess JT the Brick wasn't available. You know how it gets when you're late to the party. So JT the Brick hits. Give me a follow on Instagram. I just have one post, but I'm going to be going behind the scenes of the Raiders with some really good Raiders and sports content from all over the country, as I like to do. So give me a follow on Instagram as we open up the show. So the quarterbacks, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. And you should be dialing now. I need three starters and three reserves. I need three starters, the all-time three greatest quarterbacks in Raiders history, and then the three you have next. We'll go out to the honorable mentions. There are not many. There aren't many honorable mentions out there. And the decision to come in here, it's similar to wide receiver when we had Tim Brown, Fred Bolitnikoff, and Cliff Branch. We were looking for four, and that fourth pick was going to be interesting. Who were we going to choose from, from... The players that we thought were the best at that position. Well, the same thing here. Whoever you think is the third quarterback in the first group, the next guy is going to be the first quarterback in the reserves. It's not a slap in the face to be a reserve to Kenny Stabler. Okay, so you're not going to move Kenny Stabler. Depending on what you think of Jim Plunkett, which I know what you think of Jim Plunkett. But who are you going to have in that third slot? And it's not a third. We haven't been using the first group ranking one, two, three, four. Like wide receivers, I didn't say Fred Bolitnikoff was number one, even though I think he's number one. You could think it's Tim Brown or Cliff Branch, but we put it in that first grouping. So we're going to get to that today, and I'd like to get some participation because Bobby worked his ass off the entire summer putting this together. And if there was some type of radio award or trophy, you know, all these attorneys in town, I'm voted number one gold, I'm voted number one. Get out of here. You're all buying that. Uh, there should be some type of an award going for this promotion this summer because Bobby did it all, getting the sound, the highlights, the play-by-play. And then we lean on you, the fans of the Raider Nation, who saw these individuals play. So today we get to the quarterback position. I will go through the quarterbacks one by one throughout the show, but you know who they are. The all-time passing leader, not even close, is Derek Carr. 35,222 yards. Next on the list does not even have 20,000 yards. That would be the snake, Ken Stabler, 19,078. The all-time touchdown leader by a long shot, by over 65 touchdowns, is Derek Carr over Ken Stabler. Problem is Carr never won a playoff game. And Carr has suffered an injury, and he probably wasn't the same after that, even though he played at a high level. Uh, I think the toughest decision in the show today which might not be tough for you, it might not be tough for me, but I think in general, is that number three, do you have Rich Gannon or Daryl LaMonica? Do you have the Mad Bomber or do you have Rich Gannon? And Gannon put up some lofty numbers, and Gannon led the Raiders on their last run of being really relevant when it comes to wins and losses. That was Rich Gannon. And the team needed that because if we didn't get that with Gannon, Where would the Raiders be for 25 years? I got hired from the Raiders in 1998. And when Gannon came to the team, the first four years I was with this team, went to the playoffs every year, went to two championship games and a Super Bowl. I thought that was going to be every year when I started here. And it got lean after that because of the quarterbacks after Rich Gannon. Wow, Tom Flores' numbers are much bigger than I thought. I love Coach Flores. His numbers were really big at the time he played, 
as the original Raider quarterback in 1960. Tom Flores threw 92 touchdowns. Jim Plunkett had 80. But Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls and was a Super Bowl MVP. And then you go down the list of some of the other players that were really good. I think they were good and put up decent numbers. Jeff Hostetler, Jay Schrader. Uh, You look at some of the other names. Vince Evans. A lot of people were tweeting at me, hey, don't leave Vince Evans out. I'm not going to leave Steve Berline and Vince Evans out. They're just going to be in the honorable mentions. They're not going to be in the top three all time. But my job is to bring these gentlemen's names up on the show. So you got an idea. So if you're driving, keep driving. If you're at home, get out a little pen and pad. Give me your top three and then four, five, and six. It's hard. It's not easy. That's why this is not associated with the team. It's a Raiders radio promotion as we're trying to build the all-time team, and I'm at the finish line. And considering the week I have in front of me with a game coming up and all that, it'd be nice to have a nice Monday and Tuesday talking to fans about something a little bit less dramatic than Jimmy G throwing four interceptions at a practice, which I'll get to that in a moment. So the show started nine minutes ago. It's the Raiders' all-time team quarterbacks. Uh, Put your call together at 702-365-9200 or at Twitter at JTTheBrick if you want to try out the new Instagram. It's all up there, too. And we'll get to all that for you, and we can jump on in. All right, so last week, Thursday, Friday, I wrapped up the Jim Rome Show. I hosted that. Uh, the middle of last week till Friday, I decided to drive and I left at 12.01. I had a beautiful drive out of L.A., Bobby. Beautiful drive. I cranked music. I has got the music rocking in my car. I got past Baker and the thermometer. Then the freeway was closed. Shut down. It was an accident. Yeah, a big one. And I sat there for two hours. And I said, never again. I got home in six hours. Not the end of the world. Some people are getting to the airport and they have six-hour delays. At the airport there. So uh, came back, came back on Friday, had a really good weekend with my wife and kids. My son's getting ready to go back to college, start his junior year at Arizona State. So we got about another week with him. Uh, a lot of time in the pool, really good summer. And now the Raiders are ready to roll with the Niners coming into town this week. These are very important practices because, again, the Niners are better than the Raiders. The Raiders are going to be practicing against a superior team. I think the Raiders are vastly improved because of the addition of Marcus Peters. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a good red zone quarterback. I'll get to some of his bad throws and good throws. Mad Max Crosby. But for every player that you mention for the Raiders, the Niners either have an equal player or a better player at that position. Linebacker, cornerback, not even close. And the Raiders are vastly improved, I think. I think they're really improved in the secondary. Really improved in the secondary. I love what they're doing. Jacorian back there and Epps and the way they're playing. So we'll see what the Raiders do here because there's no hiding from a controlled scrimmage. Not that the Raiders are going to hire. Dave Ziegler was on the season preview and he even mentioned he loves this. I love it too. And I think this is the wave of the future for the NFL. The wave of the future is these preseason games are part of the economy of the NFL. You need to play games. You have to have games. You can't have one or two preseason games. But the teams take these joint practices much more seriously than a game. They do. Because they know it's one-on-one, mano-a-mano, and both teams are going 100%. You don't want to get anybody hurt. That's the key. You don't want to see any fights. Sometimes a skirmish breaks out. I wouldn't be surprised if one did. But you don't want to see a fight. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. You don't want to see anybody get carted off the field. And we've seen that happen in the past. 
So that's where we are with this team going into the Niners, the two scrimmages, and how this is going to play out. And I think that they have to play well in these practices because there's a couple of position battles that are going on now. Jacorian, as we mentioned, can start at one of the corners opposite of Marcus Peters, which I'm good with. Put the young buck out there. Put the rookie out there. I don't care. If he's that good, put him out there. Let him. Let him he's going to get burned on a play or two, but he's got makeup speed. Divine Diablo and Robert Spillane at linebacker. I don't think they need to be bubble-wrapped. They're not good enough to be bubble-wrapped. Now, God forbid one of them gets hurt in the preseason, then you're going to have no linebacker room. It's going to be very weak, but I'd like to see these guys play. I don't expect to see Garoppolo, Devontae, Mad Max. Josh Jacobs isn't here. We're going to see some Zeus. Don't know how much we're going to see. We saw Josh Jacobs play at the Hall of Fame game last year. I'm assuming we're going to see Zamir White with a couple of carries in the preseason. It's football. As Phil Villapiano told me, on the record, this is football, JT. You need to push, shove, tackle, and get hit before you play games. That's how they did back then. But I said, Phil, it's a different time. It's a different time. Players will play just too much more money. So if they get hurt, it really affects the outcome of a team financially. Not that the players weren't important in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It just wasn't the same type of money that we're seeing here. So for the Raiders... They play two really important games right out of the gate. I wouldn't say make or break games, but really, really important right out of the gate. At Denver and at Buffalo, both of those teams' home openers. And if these guys are going to be bubble reps. Some of them I'm fine with. The rest of the guys, get them out there and get them some reps. Ian Rappaport talked about the fact that the Denver Broncos, listen to this, Denver, who we play in week one on the road, they're going to play some of the starters coming up right out of the gate. He is playing Russell Wilson. I was actually in Denver yesterday talking to Sean Payton about, among other things, the preseason and what they expect. And uh, he was telling reporters yesterday, players will play in the first preseason game. Uh, we'll see how much they play. And someone said, well, does that mean Russell Wilson? And Payton said, well, he's a player. So, yeah, which everyone laughed at, but also is true. So, yeah, I would expect Russell Wilson. It's going to be fascinating to see Wilson in Sean Payton's offense. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's there's a little bit of bumps and bruises from the beginning, if it's not quite as smooth a transition as you would expect because it is a completely new offense. That says there is some optimism there. The offensive line's a lot better. There are some really good weapons, uh, running back, receivers. So you, you are going to get a, at least a glimpse of Russell Wilson in the Sean Payton offense this week. Somewhat similar situation for Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. They're going to play actually the near Jets where I am now. Jets going to go down for a little joint practice first but that does not mean that Bryce Young the number one overall pick will not play in the preseason as it sometimes means. Young will play. The starters will play. Unclear exactly how much but at least the number one overall selection who I would say has impressed pretty much early on in camp is going to get to get his feet wet in a preseason game. Number one player in the draft's going to play in the preseason, and Denver's going to play. One thing that Rappaport said, I spent some time with Albert Breer. He was at practice. We talked for about a good half hour about the Raiders roster. Rappaport said that Denver has got some good improvements at running back and wide receiver. At no point will the Denver Broncos have a better roster than the Raiders at running back or wide receiver. Let me make that point clear. They got a better secondary. They do. Okay, they got a couple of players. They lost a lot of edge rushers Denver has over the last couple of years, a lot of them. They don't have better wide receivers than Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. They don't. So I don't care how improved Denver is 
at the wide receiver position. They are not better than the Las Vegas Raiders, and they don't have a running back like Josh Jacobs. So you just heard some media spin. Well, Denver's better. That's what happens with Denver every year. Every year, everybody thinks Denver's better, and they don't explain it. They just say, well, they're, they're good at what? What, wide receiver and running back? Compared to who? Las Vegas, who's beaten them last six out of seven. It's, it's incredible when I hear this. Rappaport's really good. I play his sound maybe more than anybody. But that's another example of the Raiders not getting that national attention. You don't hear anybody. NFL Network was out here the other day. You don't hear anybody sitting there saying, oh, you know, the Raiders are loaded at wide receiver. They're loaded at running back. They got, no, they just say, uh, they, 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 Jimmy G threw four picks. You know, they, they're trying to work in. Tyree Wilson isn't available. He was their first pick. It's never anything like, wow, they're pretty good at this or that. And that's why I ask you to use these phone lines as a weapon to fight off anti-Raider propaganda that is streaming at a level. You know, I told you this if you weren't listening last week, early in the week. I said, for the next three weeks, I, I got to shut up if the Raiders don't win. I mean, what am I going to do? If the Raiders don't win their first two games, what am I going to do? Wave pom-poms? I'm going to say, hey, man, week three is really important. You know, week three is going to be a must-win. I'll, I'll do that. But if the Raiders can win one of these first two games... I think it will change the mindset of Raider Nation and the national media that maybe the Raiders are pretty good this year because they are improved, and I've seen the improvement at practice here. Again, 702-365-9200. We don't have one caller on hold for greatest quarterbacks of all time. Don't embarrass Bobby. Get the show moving. If you got Stabler Plunkett, who do you got at three? Who do you have at four? The big debate today is going to be three and four. Who are you putting in the top three? Who are you putting into the next group? 702-365-9200. One other thing I wanted to play from Dave Ziegler on Marcus Peters. This was from the Raiders training camp special that was on TV with Amber and EA. I thought this was important on the priority to get Peters in the room so the Raiders don't have to worry about that number one corner. We were looking for a player that could come in, that could touch the football, but also would bring some leadership to that yes. room and bring some accountability to that room and could be a guy when things aren't going well in practice to say, wait a minute here, mm-hmm. like this isn't the standard, fellas, yeah. and let's refocus and, 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 and let's make some progress. And Marcus has done that already. He's been an incredible Good. teacher, um, a leader amongst that group, uh, got his hands on a, a football yesterday and had an interception, really understands the game and how to play the game. And he's risen the level in that room of what, it, of what the expectations are going to be. So that's been exciting to see. And, and like you said, um, the more he can make plays on the ball, the better for us. Yeah, I think that was important to get him in there. Uh, Peters, I watched Marcus for a few times. I introduced myself to him. He's bigger than I thought. He's bigger than I thought. He's in great shape historically. I don't know where he's at with his shape there, getting into shape to play. But he's a big guy. He reminds me of Woodson. I know he's wearing the same number, but the shoulders, the the waist, the size of his legs, the big guy. They're out there. He'll put, he'll put his hands on you the way the other 24s did. Willie Brown and obviously Charles Woodson, they put their hands on you. And now you don't see that much anymore. You can only do it up to the first five yards. Peters can run. He can tackle. He knows where to be. And I think he's going to be a mentor to some of the young corners on this team, which he's going to have to be. So that's one of the big takeaways. Now, as I wrap up the monologue, I want to get to Jimmy Garoppolo. Glass is half full or glass is half empty? The way I talked about it with Albert Breer and Coach David Shaw, who was here, who's at NFL Network, what a good guy he is. I can't believe David Shaw isn't a head coach in the NFL. He's one of the sharpest guys I've ever talked to. When it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, if he throws four interceptions at a practice, who cares? 
Who literally cares? It has nothing to do with the game, and the defense needs to be improved, and the, the defense has been told, told to their face, you better be smart, you better be fast, and you better be more explosive. The defense has been preached to by Patrick Graham, Dave Ziegler, everybody else to get to the football. Do we all understand that? So what that means is the defense is going to take more chances this year. Risk-reward. You take a chance on jumping a route, you might give up a touchdown. Who cares? I don't care anymore with Patrick Mahomes. Jump the route. Jump the route and try to knock the ball down because if you don't, he's going to score a touchdown three plays later. Guaranteed. So just do something and play that way. And I think the defense is playing at that level. Epps is very good. That's a good addition so far. I know it's camp. Uh, It seems like Trayvon Merrick is getting the message that he can't play deep center field at the warning track. He's got to come up more and make plays. Ja'Korian Bennett's fast. He's at the ball. He's at the right place at the right time. And Marcus Peters, again, in the limited practices I've seen, you know, he just is learning the system now under Patrick Graham. And I'll, I'll wait to have more of a comment on him, but I don't expect to see him in the preseason. Maybe I'll in a few snaps. Maybe the second game. I don't know. But I can't wait to see what Marcus Peters does going up against some pretty good players on the 49ers at the wide receiver position. So for Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions, he's had good days and bad days. He's had a lot of good days and not average days. You've got to look at the categories. Good, average, and bad. He's had two bad practices where he's thrown some interceptions, but I think he's had four or five practices where he's been above average or Jimmy G. And that's okay. So Jimmy Garoppolo's on a pitch count, as Vinny Bonsignor told you. He's not going to play in the preseason, I would doubt it. You can't afford to have to break the glass and not have him ready for the first game. And, you know, he's involved with the entire offseason in the meetings, sitting with Devontae, talking about it, breaking down film. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is where he needs to be. Is he going to have a couple of more sloppy practices? Probably one. Is he going to have a couple more that are really good? Yeah. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo gives this team a chance to win. Raiders all-time quarterbacks, Rod and Sacramento. Start us off, Rod. What's happening? JT, this has been a great, great show that you've had on the radio here this last week, few weeks. I'm a fan from 1965, and every time we've gone through a position group, I've visualized my favorite players, such as Ben Davidson, Art Powell, Tom Flores was my first quarterback when I started mm-hmm. watching t- on TV. Jim Otto, you know, by far, um, when you think of quarterbacks, we see Stabler um, marching down the field with less than two minutes, throwing sideline passes to uh, Fred Bolitnikov, mm-hmm. uh, running um, plays that um, just produced. Time and time again, as the fans in Oakland just roared, it was, uh, this show has really brought back a lot of memories as Clem Daniels and uh-huh. my quarterbacks, definitely, you know, at my first game I ever went to was the Super Bowl in New Orleans with Jim Plunkett. He's on that list automatically. Uh-huh. Tim Stabler. Um, but then when Gannon showed up, and started producing first downs. We were in. We were hungry uh-huh. in Oakland for uh, Gannon. So yes. I can't. I can't uh, go past Gannon. Uh-huh. Um, I love Carr, um, but tell you the truth, Gannon produced. 
and those top three are my top three. Tom Flores belongs there as a uh, mm-hmm. as our first quarterback per se, yes. and one of the most loyal people um, we've ever seen in Raider Nation as he visited us in the parking lot on the mm-hmm. way to the stadium every day. So, um, JT, what a great show this is. Thank has been. you. Appreciate it. Great, great. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling it, Rod. Appreciate it. This doesn't work unless I hear from people. Who cares about my opinion? I have an opinion. I have final call on the rankings when we do it here, but I'd like to hear from you because there's a lot of people that saw him play. My big decision today, before we release the list tomorrow, will be LaMonica or Gannon. Uh, I think LaMonica has the edge because he's won 62 games. He was 62-16-6. and Six ties. That's that's interesting. Gannon was 45-29-0. When it comes to yards, they were pretty close. 16,065 for LaMonica, 17-5 for Gannon. Uh, LaMonica threw 148 touchdowns to Gannon's 114. Gannon was a winner from 99 to 2004, played in a lot of big games, was an MVP. LaMonica won more. And LaMonica was in bigger games, including a Super Bowl that he lost. Both quarterbacks lost the Super Bowl. LaMonica and Gannon lost the Super Bowl. The Raiders have played in five Super Bowls, losing two. Gannon and LaMonica lost those Super Bowls. But can you blame it all on them? No, it's a team sport. So that is interesting. I I, I have Stabler and Plunkett 1-2. I think most people have Stabler, Plunkett 1-2. But then I don't know how you have 3, 4, 5, or 6. And where do you have Derek Carr, who played at a very high level? Derek's record, I had to see this, is 63-79. and 79. 63 wins, 79 losses. But he's thrown for over 35,000 yards, and he's got over 217 touchdowns. 99 interceptions, 99 of them. But Ken Stabler threw 150 touchdowns and had 143 interceptions. Joe Namath's stats will... Is are alarming when it comes to his interceptions. Def, definitely different eras, no doubt a different era. Gannon and Carr played in a different era than Stabler, Plunkett, and even before that, LaMonica. Tom Flores threw for over 11,600 yards, and Tom Flores threw for 92 touchdowns. Tom Flores, no doubt in my mind, will be high up on this list. It's just a question of where. Tom Flores is in the first two groups, in the first or second group, there's no debate there. And let's start talking about some of the other guys there who were out there. I mean, Carson Palmer, I don't have him as a, you know anything. Carson Palmer had 35 touchdowns. Kerry Collins had 41. Jay Schrader and Jeff Hostetler had very similar numbers. Haas was a little bit more accurate at 58.5 completion to Schrader at 50%. But their numbers were pretty comparable between Haas and Jay Schrader. Who would you pick between them two? And the sixth all-time leading passer in Raider history is Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson from 1980 to 1987 played in 96 games for the Raiders. LaMonica played 95. Gannon played in 74. Plunkett played in 70 games. Mark Wilson played 96. Now, Plunkett was better than Mark Wilson, but Mark Wilson put up some numbers. And I really enjoyed Steve Berline. I like him as a guy. He'll be here for Alumni Weekend. I'll talk about his numbers. And then there were a lot of quarterbacks who struggled for this organization. 
And where do you put George Blanda? Where's George Blanda on the list? When he came into games, there were much bigger games than the Raiders have played in the last 20 years, other than the Gannon AFC Championship games and Super Bowl. So that's a good half hour of the two-hour show done. I'm going to get a glass of water, regroup. All-time team, quarterbacks, how do you have them ranked? One through six. Top three and the three reserves. We are brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. I drove around town today with some errands, cones and accidents everywhere. The DeCastaverde Law Group, your only call if you get into an accident, 702-222-9999. Tom Flores opens the second period of play by passing to Ken Herrick for 13 yards as the Raider drive carries into the Bronco Corral. Flores is finding the airways to his liking. A five-year pro veteran makes a 13-yard connection with Art Powell. Flores uncorks his ninth scoring toss of the season as he spears Clem Daniels with a 34-yard touchdown bomb. The Raiders get on the scoreboard first for a 7-0 lead. Oh, that is so good. Quarterbacks today, everybody. Quarterbacks today, 702-365-9200. Also, you can let me know who your favorite Raider quarterback is. I don't know that. I, I don't like to do that in general, like what's your favorite ice cream, what's your favorite wings in town, but who's your favorite Raider quarterback? Your favorite Raider quarterback is very interesting to me. I, I, every day when I wake up, I look at my Facebook memories. There's a lot of times I take pictures. What, what's great about Facebook other than the stock, wink, wink, is the fact that a lot of times when I take pictures, I put them on Facebook so they're saved forever. So every year my memories pop up and I go, wow. So today I click on my Facebook memories and I see that I'm in Canton, Ohio with Cliff Branch's party. And one of of the great honors of my life, of my life, not just Raiders, was being the MC of the Cliff Branch party. So August 7th, 2022, at the Quarry Golf Club and venue in Canton, Ohio, Mark Davis, along with a lot of other people behind the scenes, put together one of the greatest parties in NFL history. They brought in Diana Ross. Drop the mic over. Done. I don't know what Zach Thomas did this week or Joe Thomas. They didn't have Diana Ross. And I was one of the five people that kept the secret. There was a secret, like fireable secret. If this gets out, you're fired. And Diana Ross came out. And the buzz was in the building because a bunch of Hall of Famers showed up. You know, you're looking at Franco Harris. And then you, and by the way, that was the last time we saw Franco there for Raider Nation before he passed away Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve game. But going back to who was in that room, that was the only party that, if you're a gold jacket, you can go to any party you want. That's the unwritten rule. No one else can get into these parties. You cannot get into a Hall of Famers party unless you have a ticket and you're invited. And all of a sudden, I saw seeing a bunch of Hall of Famers everywhere. I'm like, oh, they must know. Someone told someone or someone knows. And then Diana Ross comes in and does 10 songs. I'm coming up. All of her hits. And all the wives of the Hall of Famers and the Raider wives are in the first 10 rows dancing. And, I mean, brought a tear to my eye. And what Mark Davis did, and again, the ladies, mostly the ladies behind the scenes who put that trip together, we got to the team hotel. The Cliff Branch Hotel was bubble wrap with Cliff Branch on the outside of the hotel. Let that sink in. And then I walked into the room and I swiped my key card, and the pillows, 
the bedspread, everything was 21. So they went into our rooms and decorated the rooms for Cliff Branch because that's the impact that he had on Mark Davis's life as his best friend. So that was a year ago today. And two years ago on this day, I tweeted it out. I was having dinner, name drop alert, with Fred Bolitnikoff and his wife and my wife. And we're at Bender's. Bender's is the number one restaurant there. 1800s it goes back to. And we're having dinner. And Peyton Manning comes up to the table. And I, you got to go look at this picture at JT the Brick. It's up there right now. I look at my wife. And I look at my wife. I go, get your camera. And my wife just snapped a piece of art. It's Peyton Manning. His hand on Fred's shoulder, Fred looking up to him, and they're talking football for about 10 minutes. And they're pretty tight because, you know, they go back. And Freddie knows everybody. So these, these memories mean a lot to me. And for all those who got into Canton, a really special moment. And one thing before I get back to the phone calls, one of the coolest things in Canton is the Ray Nitschke luncheon. It was named after Ray Nitschke because he was the guy who spoke. It's the... It's the luncheon where no one's allowed in the luncheon other than the Hall of Famers. Not their agents, not their wives, just the Hall of Famers. So Ray Nitschke, it's called the Ray Nitschke Luncheon. And when he passed away, Deacon Jones took over as like the leader of that luncheon, which was a really big deal because Deacon's done it. And they just announced the new leader of the Ray Nitschke Luncheon, Warren Moon, friend of the show. So great legacy play for Warren. I'm trying to get him on this week to congratulate him on the air here. So that'll be a lot of fun. All right, so we're looking for your all-time quarterbacks. I got Stabler one. I got Plunkett two. Three, four, five, six is what I need. If you got an honorable mention, throw it out. Let's get out to Oakland Mitch. Excuse me, we'll get out to Randy in Vegas on 920. Hello, Randy. Hey, JT. I want to come at this from a different angle as Mm -hmm. a fan of an opposing team. Um, I started watching the NFL in the in the mid to late 1960s, and when I think of all time teams and all time players, I think of players who epitomized who that team was. You know, we grew up Redskin fans, and everybody in our neighborhood was Giant fans, Cowboy fans, Eagle fans, but everybody hated the Raiders, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the Raiders just had this persona, this aura. So for me. It's got to be Daryl LaMonica and George Blanda because they were, and, and you can rank them however you want to. To mm. me, they're intertwined as far as, the, as far as the memories that we had as kids because that's when the Raiders really became the Raiders in that late 1960s, the Heidi game and all of that stuff. I mean, from mm. that point on, anybody after Kenny Stabler for guys like me mm-hmm. is not really a Raider. You know, they're guys that came from other teams. They might have better stats. But when, when you look at who epitomizes who the Raiders were, whether it's Jim Otto, Ben Davidson, those guys, Daryl Monica and George Blanda are joined at the hip. In other words, to me, as far as the big games and, you know, the critical moments and the great success they had. So yep. as, a, as a Redskin fan who hated the Raiders, Great respect, though, and um, just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, thank you. Excellent phone call from a different perspective. Look, Derek Carr didn't play on a lot of good teams. He didn't. Derek Carr did not play on a lot of good teams that had defenses, and Derek Carr was a hell of a quarterback for this team. Derek Carr was a hell of a quarterback, no doubt about it, and he should have won more games. And some of it was on Derek. Other games was on his teammates. And Rich Gannon helped bring the Raiders back to being an elite team for a short period of time. What happens if the tuck rule 
is overturned the way it should have been. It was a fumble. That's another, that's another Rich Gannon Super Bowl run. Tony Saragusa, may he rest in peace, fell on Gannon and took him out in an AFC championship game where Gannon, as an MVP player, could have won that game at any point coming from behind. Now, the problem was the Ravens, that was one of the greatest defenses ever. So Gannon wasn't going to put up 35 against the Ravens in Oakland. But Gannon could have got him in field goal range two or three more times and won that game, but he was injured on what was a dirty hit by Saragusa. And then Gannon ended up going to the Super Bowl, and Barrett Robbins went AWOL, blew up the whole Super Bowl. Adam True played well, but you know they knew the plays. They knew the plays. Gruden played Gannon in practice. I've always said that as a compliment to Coach Gruden when everybody says, well, you know, that was Tony Dungy's team. How dare you say that? that wasn't, if that was Dungy's team, they would have lost. Gruden played Gannon in practice all week, set the plays up that he gave to Callahan, and Gruden knew every bleep in play two minutes before it was called. Tony Dungy wouldn't have. I can promise you that. Gruden won that Super Bowl because Gruden prepped them to how to do that, and Rich, Rich was at a disadvantage because he didn't have a Pro Bowl center. So think of Gannon, the tuck rule, the Saragusa cheap shot, and no Barrett Robbins in the Super Bowl. You want to talk about a bad beat for Rich Gannon? That changes everything with Gannon. And Plunkett, for those who say, you know, Plunkett's stats weren't over the top, Jim Plunkett only threw for 12,000, 12,665 yards. The reason he's not in the Hall of Fame is that alone. He should be in the Hall of Fame with those numbers because you can't tell the story of the Pro Football Hall of Fame without Jim bleeping Plunkett, who was born to blind parents, went to the NFL, was battered and bruised, number one pick, was a rookie of the year, a two-time Super Bowl champ, a Super Bowl MVP, and another massive trophy in his trophy case, the comeback player of the year. That has to count for the Hall of Fame. You can't say, well, you know, Plunkett, Plunkett only threw for 12,665 yards and Drew Brees has 70,000. I get it. It's different. But that's what's holding Plunkett back. And the, you need voters who could look through it, who could look through it and see what's happening with the story of Jim Plunkett. Raider 66 has been outstanding. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing today, JT? Doing well, thanks. Great. Um, yeah, your, your points are well taken, especially on, on Gannon. You know, you get a bounce here or there with that tough rule and the Syracuse thing. Raiders could be looking at three straight Super Bowl appearances and possibly three straight victories. Uh, Jim Plunkett. Yeah, he, he, uh, his numbers don't really stand out in the sense other than he's a two-time Super Bowl winner and you see, the clutch games are in the playoffs. He's 8-2 and two in the playoffs, 80% winning in the playoffs. My top guys, uh, this guy is one of the few that was drafted by the Raiders, so Kenny Stabler's got to be number one. He's got to be the top guy. Uh, led him to their first Super Bowl victory. And, uh, but he sat on the bench for a long time. He's drafted in 68. Mm-hmm. It didn't start really until 73. That's a so, great point. Uh, Hold on. Let me stop you there. Yeah, I, I yeah. call that the Steve Young comparison, too. Similar lefty quarterbacks, both in the Hall of Fame. The amount of years, years Stabler was on the bench, went to the Continental Football League, as you know. Yes. And, and, yes. and the fact that Steve Young sat behind Montana for years, it's incredible what their stats could have looked like if he added those years. And same with Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. Exactly. And plus, back then, they didn't really throw a whole lot either. I mean, not like today, where you're, you know, 
airing it out all the time. So, and stable was seven and four in the playoffs. So just incredible numbers. Then, then I've got Plunkett number two because of those two Super Bowl victories. Uh, because I don't want to have people forget about Daryl LaMonica. Daryl LaMonica, all he did, he's not in the Hall of Fame. All he did is, see, quarterback is about winning, they say. You know, you got to win as a quarterback. That's what holds uh, Derek Carr back. Daryl LaMonica has the second highest winning percentage in NFL history. The only guy ahead of him is Otto Graham. 79% winning percentage by Daryl LaMonica. So that counts for something. Yeah, he lost in the Super Bowl. You know who he lost to? Bart Starr. Lombardi, Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, by winning that Super Bowl, gave Lombardi three NFL championships in a row. You know how many times that's been done in the 100-plus years of the NFL? Twice. Both by the Packers, and the last time was by Vince Lombardi. There is no way anybody was going to beat that team on that day. The Raiders gave it a shot, and they, uh, they had a couple of miscues, and, and they uh, could have been better. But that was an incredible thing. That's the reason I give these three guys, the, the, La Monica, uh, the mm-hmm. edge over the rest of the guys, is because of the competition he faced. Those 70s teams that they played against, the, the Steel Curtain, the team of the 70s, the Packers, the team of the 60s, the Dolphins, had an undefeated season. What what they got now? You know, uh, oh, the Patriots with Tom Brady. Okay, yeah. Those were incredible teams. Then uh, in my second group, I just try and get quickly because I know you got other people. Yep. Um, I've, got, I've got Tom Flores. Tom Flores was the first starting quarterback for the Raiders in 1960. A lot of people don't know. The Raiders in 1960, when they got the team, they were, uh, they were an afterthought. It was Minnesota. And they went to the NFL. So they said, okay, here, Oakland, you got a team. They had nothing. They had no players. They had no team because the players drafted by Minnesota got henpecked from NFL teams, CFL teams, and AFL teams. The Raiders had to have a supplemental draft to fill in enough players to fill in a roster. And with that team, uh, Tom Flores won five of 14 games. That is a remarkable accomplishment. So, uh, And he was one of the other guys drafted by the Raiders. Everybody else is, is better. Then I've got... Um, Rich Gannon. Rich mm-hmm. Gannon, uh, three division titles, and as we already mentioned, could have gone to three straight Super Bowls without some things happening. And uh, just a class guy. Uh, just when he got together with uh, with Gruden, it was uh, it was all over. And then the, the last guy I've got is Derek Carr because yeah. of the numbers. Derek Carr. If you there's a Sports Illustrated article out there somewhere, he is the least supported quarterback by his defense ever in the history of the NFL. It's like having a, a baseball pitcher with a 2.0 ERA and a losing record because his defense sucks and he gets no offensive help. That's the, the burden that Derek Carr had to have. And Mark Davis said as much to him when he left. You know, sorry we didn't help you out. Mm-hmm. So those are my six guys. I would Excellent. love to be talking about a guy. For uh, There's another conversation, but I'd love to be talking about a guy named Eldridge Dickey, mm-hmm. who was actually drafted ahead of Ken Stabler in 1968. But that's a topic for another day. Thank you for the time, JT. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. I want to take some time to mention David Hum, who was my partner on the Raiders pre- and post-game show for six seasons uh, with all of his Super Bowl rings and what he was able to do for the Raiders as the backup to Kenny Stabler because his brother Tom is listening and Tom's in, in the building with me every day. I, there would, <laughs> there's no chance I'm not mentioning David Hum. So I like everything that we were saying there. A great phone call by Raider 66. I think everyone who's participated in summertime radio, as we call it. I need summertime radio every summer. 
but I burned through this. I'm going to need something else next summer. Maybe a trip to the Amalfi Coast compared to the all-time team. We're only doing this once. Thanks to our friends at Resorts World. Head on out to Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. Doghouse Saloon, home for us on Monday Night Football. It's 13-7 New York. Eight seconds to go. LaMonica comes in. Wells is back in for Bolitnikov. He's to the left. Sherman to the right. Loose quarterback coverage. They're way off. They don't want to give up the bomb. LaMonica's back. He looks. He's throwing deep for Wells in traffic. It's better room. Wells catches the ball. Wells has caught the ball. Wells has caught a touchdown. And it's time. 13-13. Three New York Jets. Three of them were all over Wells. They batted them all up in the air. Wells caught it, falling down. One of the fun things we're enjoying is having the ability to have all those sound bites going forward. Hopefully we have a lot of Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs touchdowns and all that to play, but good to have Bobby built this, built our deck, as we like to say here, with more highlights coming up this year. Brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. I was back at a wedding, my nephew got married in New York, and I was there, and he had a pre-golf tournament. 27 guys played in the golf tournament, and all the beer was Modelo. And I said, why? Because, you know, this is New York, upstate New York. And my nephew said, Uncle John, because you get paid to drink Modelo, and I wouldn't want to give you anything other than Modelo. I said, well, you didn't have to get all Modelo. He says, no, 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 we love Modelo. So we had Modelo Buckets. On a Friday, because my nephews listen to the show back in New York, and they know I love my bucket of Modellos on a Friday. This is going to be an interesting Friday because we have the Niners in town. Saturday, we have alumni weekend with all the alumni, as in mega alumni in town. And then Sunday, the Niners and the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. Oakland Mitch. How you been, Mitch? Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for waiting. I'm good, JT. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Man, I, I tuned in today because, you know, football season is upon us, and I heard you say there's nobody on hold to make these calls, and I figured why not dust myself off and make a yeah, call? Yeah, and that's like an, that, there's plenty ago. of people on hold. That's just the insecurity of me. I don't like doing radio just hearing myself like most people. So thank you for calling in. How do you, how do you have these quarterbacks ranked? Because I know you know your stuff. Oh, man. Well, you know, I had the pleasure of seeing all of them play but Flores, and I really have to go Kenny number one, Plunkett two, and I really when I met you, Gannon was the was the general back then and those days were just magical. So I've got to have Gannon number three. And my my second unit would be LaMonica, rest in peace, Carr, and I could do them either way, and then floors for that. Yeah. But my honorable mention would be George Blanda, and you mentioned a person who was destined to be a Raider great, but he, he left town too soon, and that was Steve Berline. That guy was nailed in the late 80s, early 90s for us. Oh, my God. He, excuse me, late 80s. He was about to be the guy for us. Yeah, good player. But, you know, had to get the big arm of um, my guy out of UCLA. God, I can't think of his name out of Washington. You mentioned him earlier. But um, I, uh, th- those are my guys. And, you know, I had the pleasure of knowing quite a few of them personally. And as good as they were on the field, 
they were even better off the field. Yeah. Casey, that, that's all I got. Thanks, Mitch. Good to hear from you again. Keep calling in more. Thank you for listening on the Raiders mobile app. I mean, there's so many other guys that came and played for a short period of time. What could have been of Dante Culpepper? Dante Culpepper had five touchdowns. Todd Marinovich. Todd Marinovich could have been a great player in this league. You know how many t- I thought Todd Marinovich had better numbers. Todd Marinovich had eight total touchdowns. Eight. Derek Carr had 217. Marinovich was a hell of a quarterback in college when he came here. Terrell Pryor. Love watching him. The longest run as a quarterback in Raider history. Jason Campbell played well for a short period of time. Uh, Jeff George. I didn't know, Bobby. Jeff George had 33 touchdowns. 33 for the Raiders from 97 through 98. What a disaster that pick was. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer could have been great. That didn't last long. There's a story behind that. Kerry Collins, Hostetler, Jay Schrader, Mark Wilson. A lot of quarterbacks were mentioning. Mark Anderson and Harry Ruiz join us next hour as we look at the quarterbacks, but we get back to the team at training camp.